people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, I'm delighted to be talking with Matt. Hi, Matt. Thanks, Alan. It's good to be here. Matt is somebody that I've known for a number of years now, and he runs his own business a little bit like me. And there have been many times when Matt and I have reflected on what it is to be employed and be self-employed and what might be some of the lessons that come out of that. And Matt, you and I have discussed many of those things, but I thought what a wonderful opportunity to bring it to an audience and share it by this podcast. So I'm delighted that you might throw yourself in at any point of that conversation and tell us about yourself and the learnings on your journey. Perfect. Well, let's just dump, jump straight in, shall we? So let's, let's go deep. So <laughs> this might be a bit full on to start the conversation with, but there are a lot of differences, I guess, in terms of working for yourself versus working for someone else. But let's, before we even go to that bit, let's frame this whole conversation, right. um, which is a little bit from, from my perspective and my values. And I think that that'll explain to people a little bit about if you have some aspects of these values, you're probably going to be successful working for yourself. doesn't mean you'll be successful straight away. It doesn't mean that there won't be any challenges, um, but that's part of the fun, I think, of the journey. So right. if we go back just a little bit, so my whole framing of life is that life is an adventure. And if this, if this resonates with you, great. <laughs> let's, let's go on this adventure as this story together. Uh, if this feels a little bit uncomfortable for you, then <laughs> you might want to start thinking a little bit differently about going on your own adventure and your own journey into business because it can be challenging. And the thing is, just like a, you know, a classic story um, of fiction, it's kind of like there are heroes, there are, there are villains and people that are like throw obstacles in your path. And the thing is that because if you view life as an adventure, you see all of that as just part of the journey. On the other hand, you see those things as it's all about risk and it's all about self-preservation and it's like any little obstacle becomes like a major catastrophe in your life. It's going to be a hard journey. It's going to be really, really hard. So if we take one step back and I'll just, I'll just very briefly um, for our listeners perspective, just give a little bit of background from where my kind of perspective on this whole thing comes from. And I think why I've been able to be successful in the way that I have in, in doing things myself and living the life I want. If we go right back to my childhood, my dad was a photographer. He was a graphic designer back in the old school days. So he started as a sign writer. Uh, and, you, and so he was a creative type in essence. And he ended up eventually getting a job in the public service. And I'm sure probably changed a lot along, along that way. But I kind of grew up with these stories, hearing from my dad what it was like to work on, you know, newspapers, magazines, he shot for Vogue and Life magazine and things like that. Uh, or, you know, just pieces of sign writing that he did. And he was always very creative in the way that he talked with my brother and I. And I guess that kind of story about him coming out on his own when he was quite young and following his own passions, and that was around photography and art. And um, it wasn't easy for him. Like, I, don't, I think he probably, you know, only I'd say very recently in life, and he's in his 70s now, but really achieved what he wanted to in, along that journey. Uh, but but I think it was a great kind of start at least in terms of kind of setting the scene and the foundation for both my brother and my, and my brother is in business himself as well, a different business than I am. Uh, and then also my mum, because my mum, she grew up on the, in the country, like on a farm and she's super extroverted. Uh, 
Uh, and it's pretty rare to find anyone as extroverted as she is. And so I think that was very hard because she felt very isolated from a young age. And so she always wanted to move away from the farm. She, when she was 16, she moved down to Canberra uh, from where she was, which was Cooma at the time. And uh, she got a job nursing. And then when she was, I think she was like 17, she got on a ship bound for England, the UK. And, you know, it takes, I don't know, over a month to get there back in the day. You know, there was not, we don't just jump on a plane, right? She always used to tell us what it was like. And she got on, she got on the ship and she didn't know anyone. And she was going to another country. And this is not, hey, mum and dad, I'm, it's a bit uncomfortable. I'm just going to get on a plane. I'll, I'll be back, you know, tomorrow or the day after. This is like, you know, this is a big commitment that you're getting on that ship and you've got to kind of go and fend for yourself in the world and make it work. And she didn't have much money. Like, it's not like she, she was taking big savings with her. She just assumed that she'd meet people along the way. It would work out and that she'd be able to, you know, get a job over there. And she worked in cafes and things. And, you know, she eventually came back and my parents met. But that that bit is less relevant and i think more for our listeners the relevant bit is just what was the psychology in terms of growing up listening to these stories because mm. what i heard from them was go and live your life go on the adventure that you want to live and you know my mum and my dad they had very different stories but i think the most powerful part was just being told you you're the one who's got to create your own story and it's not about these taking risks it's not about pushing yourself beyond the limit it's actually just about living your life and so that's the kind of mentality that i've come into business with and and so i guess to kind of speed up a little bit from from the story from a very uh young age you know when i started getting jobs i just thought what do i want to do this is not about you know oh how can i make the most money or, or how can i have the most freedom in my life or anything that might sound attractive to to some of our listeners you were an employee though weren't they they weren't jobs you hadn't gone into business at this i hadn't gone into business but i still think i had the same sort of mindset and so originally i was like what would be really cool to do well i'd love to get fit and strong so why don't i go and work in the national parks and uh, i went and did that and uh, i got given a uh, some wire cutters and there was like 10 20 kilometers of fence or something and i was said was told go and cut that fence down like there's little like paddocks in between so it's going to take you a good month to go and cut that fence down and it wasn't really what i expected it to be i must say helen so uh, you know but still i thought you know this would be a good way to do it and decided very quickly it wasn't and then i went and thought what else would be cool to do and i went and got a job teaching dancing ballroom latin and south american dancing and i just thought that'd be awesome love to be able to dance really cool and uh, so i went and did that and and you know following on my career journey like i'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail because i don't want to bore people but i think that it was something that was always what do i want to do that was more important to me than how i did it and eventually I got to the point where I was working for other people um, doing strategy consulting type of work internal to organizations. So I wasn't an external management consultant at the time. And I just got frustrated running teams uh, and getting given like, you know, inexperienced people at the last minute. And I remember doing a review of the NBN looking at its um, strategy and planning. And I had like a month to do this review and I got given like 20 five people or something like that and none of them had relevant experience and firstly I, I said to my boss at the time I said hey I just really love three great people who have relevant experience and he's like oh no no Matt this is great this is gonna you know go you're gonna expose these people to a lot it's gonna help their thinking sure I'm sure it will but we've got a pretty hard deadline on this piece of work 
So maybe I would be better off having some really experienced people. And I remember after that piece of work, just thinking, I like what I'm doing. I like helping organizations and the people within it, but I don't want to do it in this way. I want to have a little bit more control over how it's done. Now I could have done it that I got more senior in the organizations that I worked in and I had good contacts and things like that. But what I decided was actually, I'm just going to go give it a go myself. Do you remember what the point was where what that triggered that decision? And so you had that bigger frustration. <laughs> and I think, I think frustration and pain is such a good catalyst for change, right? So from a behavioral perspective, and neuroscience tells us this, that people have three times as much neurological response to pain than we do to pleasure. I always had this idea of kind of going out on myself and like having my own adventure and living my own life. And I kind of felt like I was, I was just doing it through a career path. So for people that are listening who feel like, oh, the only way to really achieve what I want is to go and work for myself. Mm, really? Is that true? Like, I think you need to ask yourself the question, how can I, what is specifically, what is it that I'm after? Because there's a lot of ways of structuring your life and getting what you want. And when you work for someone else, you have a lot of support mechanisms that when you work for yourself, you don't necessarily have those to begin with. You develop them over time. What's an uh, example of one of those support mechanisms that you would have inside an organization that you may not have or you need to develop? Oh, a huge number. So, so structure is one. So when you're working for yourself, you create your own structure. And that sounds amazing. Right? Like just, just your time and what your focus is and things like that. And, you know, there's even when you're the CEO of a or large organization, you've still got structure. You've still got shareholders. You've still got board meetings. You know, you've still got all of these things that provide some sort of sense of what your focus should be. As soon as you jump out to doing your own business, you're the person who's completely in control. So, so let, me just, let me just step back just contextually for a little bit, which is when you're working for yourself, because you have utmost freedom and because you can make any decision that you want, it's kind of this conundrum, right? The conundrum is we have this sense of, oh, wow, freedom is amazing, you know, and then I think that's why a lot of people go into business and they pursue entrepreneurship and but there's also at this point in our society, there's this element that you can be successful and you can show the world that you're successful because you started a business, you're self-made, you went out on your own. And I think that can be really attractive from a profile kind of perspective. And look, it's true. I, you know, I didn't change overnight from working for other people to working for myself, but the way that people treated me definitely did change. And so I think that that part is part of it. But if you're, if that's what you're chasing and that's the main reason the challenges and things that you're going to have to overcome is probably not going to get you through. I think there needs to be some stronger underlying drives in you as a person um, to be able to get through that. And at the end of the day, I think businesses, whatever business that we create, however we want to structure our life, even if we're just a freelancer or something like that, all of it is a reflection of who we are as a person. And so we need to start with ourselves. And so going back to can you achieve what you want to achieve, like working for, you know, for someone else, getting real clarity about what do you want your day to look like? What is a successful day for you? Because from my perspective, a successful life is made up of successful months and years and days and hours and all of those things. It's about our experience. And so if we're very clear about the experiences that we want to have, that can help us to start to create the life that we want. And to me, this kind of concept of self unlimited and, you know, the conversations I've had with you, Helen, 
it's really been about creating the life that you want to live. And for me personally, I don't know if there's anything after, maybe there is, maybe there's not, I'm agnostic, I guess. But while I'm alive, what I want to do is live. And to me, a big part of that is going on the adventure and creating the life that I'm really passionate about living and that every single day I can give my utmost and feel like, wow, that was an amazing day. And if I do that enough, then I feel like, you know, I've had a successful life. Now, everyone has different ways of kind of assessing that. So I'm not saying you need to take on my values, um, but I think you need to understand and you need to really put in some time to think about what are your values and what, are, what is important to you. And again, what are the experiences you want? And then what direction do you want to head in? If I think about my personal values, freedom, connection, growth, it's probably way up there, right? But I could get freedom in so many different ways. I don't need to work for myself. I could get growth in so many different ways. I could get connection with other people in so many different ways. And so that's when it comes to once you know what the experience is, you can start to shape your day-to-day. But then you also need to know what's the direction that you're heading in. So given that that's what you're saying, that you could get some of those things while being employed by somebody yeah. else yourself, is there something else that it's like, yes, but I couldn't get that working for somebody else and that's why I am self-employed rather than an employee of somebody? So I think there's this concept of being a master of your own destiny and it, it always feels like, oh, wow, if I work for myself, if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm a business owner, if I, however you want to characterize it, that I'm the master of my own destiny. Well, the reality is we always work for someone else. So I have clients, <laughs> you know, I work for my clients. Can I fire my clients? I can fire them. Yeah. So I have a lot more flexibility than I did when I worked for other people. Uh, that's definitely true. But, you know, at the end, uh, when I was in the public service doing internal consulting pieces, I had teams of people. Uh, I had, you know, a lot of support from people around me and people above me. Um, I had clients, you know, within the public service as well. It, it gave me a lot of structure in the way that I could focus, but I could also rely on other people for things. And when you're coming out on your own, unless you've got a lot of capital to start with or you've got some sort of financial backing, what it means is that suddenly those support structures of other people around you, other people that are supporting you, they're just gone. And combine that with the fact that now you can make any decision to go in any direction that you want. You've got unlimited freedom. I kind of felt like it was a little bit like growing up. I've got a young daughter and she's six at the moment. And this will probably resonate with any parents that are listening, which is as you see, you know, your kids grow up, what happens is you see them become more self-aware. You see them become more independent. You see them wanting to make their own decisions a lot more. And I'm sure that that will continue uh, as my daughter continues to get older. But the thing is, I felt like for me, it was a natural progression to go from working for someone else to working for myself. And I just felt like the same sort of progression I see with my daughter, which is it was just that next natural step in my own personal growth. Like I'd gotten to a point where to spread my wings more, I felt like it would be an acceleration to do my own thing rather than to work for someone else. And that was more important that to me, it was, it was, there was an aspect of wanting more freedom and more control for sure. Uh, and as I said, you know, that was probably around building a team that I wanted and having those connections professionally that I wanted and being able to leverage, you know, different capabilities the way that I wanted. But more than that, it was pushing myself in terms of that personal growth to go, you know what, Matt, you've thought about this for a while. Just give it a go. What's the worst you're going to, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to fail. Fine. Doesn't that, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, 
uh, I've done a lot of martial arts and a bit of gymnastics and stuff in the past. Realistically, before I learned to backflip, I landed on my head a lot of times and, you know, fine, whatever. You get a mat and you make sure that you can protect yourself and that you're not going to get brain damage or something, but you're going to fail. Like that's just part of life. And I think a lot of people, what they try to do, especially if you've got this mentality of a perfectionist, and I've been there in the past myself, is that we try to cover every single risk. We try to figure out every single downfall and every single thing that can go wrong. And we try to like insulate ourselves. The reality is going into business, you can't do that. There's just so much unknown and the learning curve is so steep. And I think to be really successful mentally and psychologically for yourself, forget about, you know, being successful and, and having revenue and like, you know, having clients just for yourself and your own sanity. I think you've, it's much more healthy to say, you know, there's a whole bunch of things in this process that I just can't control and that I'm just going to have to learn as I go on. And so did you get help from others? Oh, for sure. You can get help from others. And I think, look, for me, I think the first year in business was really building those professional relationships of people that I could, who could help support me, that I could rely on, that I could go to advise people like you, Helen, um, who's always been there and, you know, has provided such an invaluable source of advice and different perspective. Because the thing is that when you're in an organization, there's lots of people around you, right? And, and they might have competing views to you. That's great. That means it disrupts your thinking. You may not always agree with decisions that are made, but it means that there is other perspectives. When you're controlling your own destiny, you may not have that. And sometimes it's about accelerating, especially in that early stage of business where revenue, like getting a baseline of revenue is especially important and uh, making sure that you can like actually survive for a week, a month, a year, maybe two years. I think that starting out phase to, to me, at least in my journey, was really characterized as survival. And I literally felt like that. It was just, how do I buy myself more time to be doing business? And I had in the back of my mind this idea that the longer that I'm in business, the more chances I'll be successful in the long run. But I need to buy myself that time. And is there a consideration because you have a partner and you have children, a child, sure. uh, in terms of, does that factor into the decision of, well, do I take this uh, adventure, this risky journey with these elements of failure? So again, I think for the, for the benefit of our listeners, you've got to think about what is your risk profile and you've got to go into business in a way that suits that risk profile. There are different business models out there. You could become a freelancer and you might have a couple of really big clients and it's pretty much the same as if you're employed, you just have a little bit more flexibility and more options, right? But what happens if some of those major clients disappear? You could, or you could go into business for yourself and you could provide products and you could look at how do I make this scalable? And, you know, that can diversify your risk in certain ways. If you can do different products, different market segments, et cetera, or you could do consulting, which is what I do. I do consulting. I do a bit of uh, learning and development and a little bit of coaching. And, you know, I've got options. Like most people that I talk to could be a client of mine. Mainly I provide consulting services to large organizations. But one of the most difficult business models that I see people try to jump into time and time again, and, I, and I'm really, I'm reinforcing this because this is about risk profile. And I think you've got to choose a business model that suits your personality and suits your risk profile. Otherwise, uh, it may be a bit painful, the journey. And 
I've seen people fall into this, this trap many times, which is, Oh, I want to create the next Facebook. I want to create the next Airbnb. I want to create the next whatever Uber, etc. And the challenge with those kind of business models is it takes a long time to build a community and it takes a long time to build out the technology platform. And during that time, you're not seeing revenues. And so if you can't survive yourself for a long term with a high revenue burn, even if it's just like your personal expenditure of having a roof over your head and being able to feed yourself and potentially your family, uh, it's probably not a good business model for you. If, if you have some good expertise that people would value, maybe you've already been working for someone in an organization and they go, you know what, you're really great at this or that. We have a different perspective that you can bring to bear. Consulting is a much easier business model to go into because what do you need? You don't need expensive equipment. You don't need to invest in technology. What you need is you need your expertise and maybe a laptop. So that's a, that's a cheap option to go and try a business. Uh, building out a technology solution is probably a more expensive option. Uh, in the middle, you know, I see people in trades and things like that. My brother run has a video production studio and uh, I previously, before doing strategy consulting, did a, had a marketing firm for a couple of years. And I, I'm a, we can talk about why I made that shift, but it was really because the business model was not right for me at that point in my life. And, I, and if, but if I look at my brother, like the overhead that he has in terms of re, like space, you know, he has a huge studio. Uh, he has a lot of expensive video production equipment. All of that thing adds up. And so you've got to think, wow, you know, the overhead is a lot more. How much can I pay myself when I've got to build all of that stuff initially in terms of that's got to be my main focus of investment. For me as a consultant, when I started down this journey, well, I could just pay myself <laughs> straight away, right? I'm getting revenue or I pay myself some money. In other models, that may not be really applicable at all. So you've got to really, it's not just a matter of I have a passion and I think I can pursue it in this way. You've got to think about from a practical perspective, where are you getting support to talk to people about these things? Uh, you know, when I was doing the marketing business, the overhead was very high because we were doing things like video production, photography, animations, all of that stuff as well, graphic design. Um, and there was a high overhead with that kind of stuff. There was a big investment. And I, and I had a number of junior staff working for me. And, you know, those people, I had to feed those people as well. So it's not just me looking after my family. Now I have staff that I need to look after as well. So, you know, all I, all I would suggest is, I mean, I'm not trying to just pitch Helen here, but I actually think that someone like Helen is a great person to have a conversation with because she has the perspective in terms of what are some of those pitfalls that could uh, befall, you know, the early adventurer and what are some of the things that you need to really start to plan for that can accelerate your journey as well? I have a number of mentors that I still go to for advice. I, I probably think of them more as collaborators really now, people like Helen. And the reason is because they're going to bring a different perspective, but they're going to accelerate my journey. And as far as I am in terms of business, there's always another level. It doesn't mm. matter if you're you know, at that early stage of coming up with the concept, it doesn't matter if you've just ventured out on your own. It doesn't matter if you're doing your first million or 10 million or a hundred million. There's always a next level in business and you've always got to go back to what are your values? What's important to you? But again, surrounding yourself with people who can help accelerate that journey and help you get where you want to go. Now, again, you've got to enjoy the journey. You've got to 
make sure that you get the experiences you want along the way because it's not always easy but you're going somewhere and so people who can help you there they're critical well i think something you've highlighted there you mentioned the word business model a number of times I would say the average person who's an employee inside of an organization wouldn't know what a business model was. So is there some thoughts that you have about the extra knowledge that you need to gain to work on your business, not just in your business? Because as I think we've had conversations previously yeah, about yeah. employee experience is maybe very akin to working in the business. But when you're running your own business, you've got to work on the business as well. And that's another body of knowledge and skill to be across. I mean, so we could spend, we could spend days on any of these topics, Helen. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to something that I said earlier that I really want to reinforce, because I think if people get nothing else, I, I think this would be so valuable for them to take away. And that is whatever the business is that you're doing, it's a reflection of your personality and that is your strengths, but it's also your weaknesses. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to live a perfect life and that you need to be a saint. But what it does mean is that you need to make sure that there's an alignment between what you value and the structure, the way that you've put your business together. So to give you an example, right? One of the reasons I shifted from the marketing company to doing strategy consulting was I was getting personally frustrated working with clients and we'd produce something for them. Typically we'd go in, we'd talk about marketing strategy and we'd be talking to multinational organizations and things head of you know meeting with the head of marketing the cmo and and just saying well what are your plans over the next 12 months oh i don't really have any plans like you know we'll just see what it comes the board will give me some advice well, shouldn't you be advising the board in terms of where you're taking this oh yeah i guess so it's a bit unsure at the moment it's a very common conversation i i was getting I was struggling with this because I wanted to have strategic conversations. And so what we'd be pitching is let's, let's start with marketing strategy. Let's start with understanding your audience. Let's start with understanding what are the routes to monetize, uh, increase customer experience, all of those things. And I'd have this very low level conversation and would, you know, people would appreciate the conversation about research and strategy. And then at the end of the meeting, it would typically be like, this is great. Now, if you guys can just go and make a video for us, that'd be amazing. And so it became this very tactical kind of conversation. That was fine. I, you know, I like making videos, nothing wrong with that. It's creative. It's, it's cool. But what would end up happening is we'd then deliver the video to the client. We'd be like, great. Have you guys thought about how you're going to promote the video and like all of these things? And oh yeah, we're just going to put it on our social media. Oh, excellent. How many people do you have on your social media? Oh, you know, our, our YouTube channel is really growing. I think we've got 150 people on there. Or our, our Facebook is going really well. We've got 200 people. Sorry, how big is your organization? Oh, we've got 20,000 people globally. Okay. And you've got how many people on your social? Are these just your staff members just in your like marketing team? Like what's going on here? So I was always frustrated that we would do work. And, you know, any clients that you do work with, for me personally, at least, I want to do a great job. I want to help them out. I want to make, I see them succeed. And the challenge is when, when, you, when you feel like you can't do that because we're not having the conversations that we need to have and we're producing stuff that's kind of just sitting on the shelf. Um, for me personally, that didn't feel very satisfying. And so I wanted to have more strategic conversations. You know, I'd, I'd done strategy work within government. And so I pivoted out to that in terms of management consulting. Now, I'm much happier with that. I still like the creative things as well, but that's why I pivoted. And th but that's a good example where if I'd thought it through from the beginning, 
and thought about the type of conversations that I was going to have with people. Like there was part of it I didn't know and I needed to go and do it and find out. And so, you know, that's your own little research and experiment there. But if I had people that I could talk to to really understand maybe a little bit more, I probably wouldn't have chosen that business to begin with, right? So it wasn't that it was a failure of a business. It wasn't that I was a failure as running that business. It was just, it didn't align with what I wanted in my life at that point in time. So the more time you can spend going, what do I actually want my day to look like? What do I want my life to look like? What are the things that are important to me? What are the strengths that I have? Am I a really organized person? If I'm not, maybe I need to collaborate with other people that are really organized. Do I understand technology? If it's a technology heavy business or industry, well, if I don't understand that, maybe again, I need to collaborate or partner or somehow get the expertise that I need. So thinking about it from your own personal perspective, but thinking about it from a pragmatic perspective, what are the, what are the success building blocks that we need to start to put in place? And the thing is, we don't have all the answers. No one does. And so being able to talk to other people who have a different perspective and who are going to challenge us sometimes, and sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be stuff that we don't want to hear. We just want a pat on the back. And this other person that we're talking to is telling us the cold, harsh reality that we should be multiplying our business when we've just done 20% extra. And they're saying, well, why didn't you do 200% extra? And it may not be the conversation we want to have, but sometimes those are the most valuable conversations for us to springboard us to that next level in life, in business, in terms of our own thinking. So it, it's, it's important that we just don't surround ourselves with people who think the same way as us, but also people who are going to challenge as well. Well, and one of the things that comes out of that that I think we've alluded to, but I'll just highlight again here, is that we have a collegial relationship. And, you know, sometimes I refer to, you know, Matt, my colleague from another organisation. So while there is uh, the possibility of collaborative and joint venture type things, that's come from already building a relationship and that was based on nothing from any commercial necessarily consideration or any particular view of it needing to go anywhere except, hey, you're in business, I'm in business, let's just have a conversation about, you know, what other trials and tribulations and I know that, um, and you might speak to this a little bit more, but sometimes there's the opportunity because you're just colleagues we're not clients, you can just let your hair down because one of the mm, things that happens mm. is when you do leave an organization, you leave behind those collegial relationships and it can be pretty lonely. Mm, for sure. So, and again, I think that comes down to understanding yourself. If you're someone who needs other people around, if you need to bounce ideas off people, personally, I do. Uh, if, I'm, if I have a great idea, I don't know it's a great idea until I bounce it off some other people because I feel like, I only have such a limited perspective on it. Now I might be excited about it, but I wanna, I wanna get someone else's perspective. And, and look, at first, unless you're gonna build a team and you're gonna bring staff in and do all of that and you're gonna put in place a board, uh, it can be difficult because you don't have colleagues. And especially when I went from the marketing business where I did have colleagues, I had a business partner, I had uh, junior staff members that worked for me as well. And then I went into management consulting and what I did was, I was just pretty much by myself all of a sudden. And, and that was hard. I originally, actually I had a business partner and they were, they were in a different city than I was. And so, you know, we talked regularly, but the other challenge was we were at different points in our life. Uh, so he'd been doing this kind of stuff for, I don't know, 30 years or something. I was just starting out on my journey. I had a hunger that, you know, I wanted to go after this stuff. Uh, I also had financial 
instability. <laughs> so I needed to put food on the table. Whereas he was like probably a bit more wealthy, a bit more chillaxed about things. And, and you've got to think about that in your business partners as well. Like how's the values going to work? And you do, as I said before, you don't want to have someone who's going to replicate you because otherwise what's the point, but you also don't want to have someone who's, whose values in terms of life and business are in a different place than you, because otherwise how's that going to work? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I found it really valuable to have this relationship, Helen, and to be able to have these conversations with you as a colleague and just, you know, just be myself and just go, Hey, what do you reckon about this? And hopefully vice versa. Uh, So look, again, I think that first year in business was me really trying to have clarity on what is it that I need in business to be successful. And as I said, one of the main things was just buying myself time to learn business because there's so many things that you need to learn that you don't even realize sometimes until you start doing it. Uh, Some things like, the degree of financial literacy. I thought I was very financially literate. I had a range of investments. Uh, I, you know, traded options and futures and currencies and had investment properties and all of those kind of things. I'd done massive reviews of like funding of like large organizations, you know, 50 billion. How do you structure this amount of funding? And then some of the things going into business for myself, I was like, shit, I'm just not across these financials enough, right? Now, to give you that kind of context, it sounds like, mm, if Matt's not across that with his background, then who is? But I think there's a difference. And there's a difference that doing the financials for a small business and really understanding the intricacies of that and how you're balancing out you know, your financials across, what is it that you need to invest in personally for you as an individual, as a person? What is it that you need to invest in for the business? At what point do you start looking to bring on staff? How do you do those commercial negotiations with other people that you work with, you know, either as subcontractors, as collaborators, team members, partners, all of those things. There was a degree of commercial kind of literacy that I, or experience, I would say probably more uh, that I just didn't have. Right. And so part of that, I had to learn just by doing it. And, you know, I'm sure I made some mistakes along the way. But that's just part of the journey. There's other things that I think if I had a stronger support network of people who had gone through the same journey as me, uh, who were just a bit ahead, that would have helped a lot, a lot. (laughs) And I mean, I had a lot of mentors. I still do, right? As I said, I think of them more as colleagues now, but, you know, people who have run massive corporations at the CEO, at the chairman level, uh, these people they're great in large organizations doesn't mean that they've gone and done a startup doesn't mean that they've scaled it through different levels from you know the first hundred thousand the first million the first 10 million and so the question is how do you get the kind of support from people who've gone through that it's uh it's not everyone and just because people are really good at business uh at that top tier level it doesn't mean that they know the different things that a business needs at different stages and so to me that was a learning curve i was advising agency heads and stuff at the time Uh, before I left the public service and looking at culture, leadership, strategy, delivery mechanisms, all of those things. And then running it for myself, I'm like, shit, how the hell do I prioritize my own time when I don't necessarily have a team who's there all the time? I have people that I work with, but that's when I have revenue. When I don't have revenue, like in terms of client work to allocate those people against, how am I going to get this done? I'm used to having teams of people. I'm used to coming up with the concept and then going, guys, let's execute and giving strategic advice and oversight. I'm not used to having to sit down and manage my own schedule. 
even that. And I got, I got a, uh, I outsourced an EA, an executive assistant, uh, was one of the first things I did. I can't be doing this. And uh, that was a nightmare because it turns out no one would respond to my EA. Whereas if I emailed someone directly or I gave them a call, everyone would take me, like my call, everyone would respond to my email. My EA, no one cared about it. So I had to ditch that pretty quickly um, because it was all relationship based. And so it's some of that, but then also I think the most critical part in that first year was probably figuring out like building those relationships with people like yourself Helen where can just if I if I need advice if I need a different perspective like I can pick up the phone and you can always do the same as well indeed and so that's critical and then and then there was the thing past the first year in business so I got through survival right okay got clients you know we're doing all right like I've got cash in the bank uh, I can survive a little bit, you know, if I don't get any more clients, uh, making sure that there's some financial resilience there. And I got to this point where I was like, all right, I've kind of achieved all of my dreams. I've got a business. <laughs> it's kind of successful. Uh, and I kind of just got real lax. And at that first year, because I was so much in survival, I was so much like, where is the money coming from? Um, how can I get another month in business? I had that drive and then suddenly that went away because I felt like I'd achieved what I'd set out to do. And I was like, now what? And I was chillaxing, like I was watching a whole bunch of Shark Tank on TV and yeah, okay, did I learn some stuff from watching Shark Tank? Probably, but <laughs> I don't know whether it was the most valuable use of my time. And I'd knock off sometimes, I'd be like, well, it's two o'clock, should probably just knock off for the day. Uh, and so it was things like that where I then had to become a lot more disciplined, in terms of how do I manage myself? How do I manage my own emotions and energy throughout the day? How do I create a structure for myself that's gonna set me and my business up for success? What are some of my longer term goals now that I've achieved that success? And so look, you go through so many different stages I think in business and for everyone listening, it's gonna be unique. It's gonna be different for you than what it was for me, what it was for Helen. But there are some underlying aspects that if you have those, those building blocks in place, it's going to make it so much easier, so much easier. So for a closing thought, and it might be a big question, do you think there are some people who shouldn't go into business for themselves? For sure. So again, look back to my earlier comments, if you're someone who sees this as an adventure, you're going to have a lot more resilience because you're going to get hit in the face so many times in business and things are going to go wrong and people that you trust are going to screw you over or they're going to try to screw you over. There's a lot of uh, sharks out there and <laughs> not, the, not the nicer ones on Shark Tank, like literally people who are ruthless. And um, if you start to have success, I had this personally, a lot of people saw that I started to have some success and they wanted to ride on the, my coattails in essence. And they wanted to create structures that would tie me down and that would tie themselves to my success. And there can be a lot of things in terms of negotiations and the commercial aspects around business that it's like, wow, um, I learned some of those lessons the hard way for sure. But what was your question, Helen? Now I'm just rambling on about That's stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the nature of our conversations, they don't necessarily have structure because there are moments when we actually don't want structure in our day. But the question was about, are there people who should not go into business for themselves? So knowing all of that, if you don't have the resilience to kind of get through some of those circumstances, if there are going to be some setbacks, it could be financial, it could be relationships. It could be you wake up in the morning and go, you know what? I used to have hundred percent confidence in myself as a person. And now I look in the mirror and I go, what the hell? 
Like I'm not succeeding. I've set myself goals. I'm not meeting those goals. You know what? That's part of business as well. You don't always hit every single target that you put in place. Failure is a big, big part of business. If you can see that as just learning lessons, if you take anything away from my mindset, what I would take away is I see it as an adventure, but I was buying myself more time in business, more time to learn. And I think if you can buy yourself more time and you see that all of these mistakes that you make are a learning experience. And if you're in it for the long run and you go, you know what, I've learned this lesson. I'm going to reflect on it. I'm going to really internalize it and I'm going to move forward. And you just keep moving forward. You will be successful eventually. Who knows how long it's going to take? Who knows it's going to take a month, a year, two years, 10 years, hopefully not 10 years, but you will be successful. The, if you're someone who you know that those kind of setbacks, they're going to hit you. They're going to hit your ego. They're going to hit your perception of who you are as a person. You're not going to be able to talk to your friends. I know people in business who they've lost all of their friends by going into business because they were just friends with people who wanted to have life in a very structured set way. And they were like, well, why would you leave this secure job and go and do this thing for yourself? You're insane. And they were getting teased at parties and stuff. Oh, except for her, she went off by herself. And now, you know, what is she doing? And so, you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to make sure you surround yourself with people who are going to back you. Sometimes the people who are not going to back you are going to be in your family. Uh, I got a family member who just pretty much for the first two years kept trying to convince me to like exit my business. Uh, and so you just got to be really careful about that. But if it's going to hit you really hard, don't do it. Like you don't have to do a business. Like no one needs to do it, right? If you want to do it, do it. But yeah. just make sure that you're ready for it. And I think there's a, an interesting tale there to also say that sometimes it looks like the ultimate or the premium of the work experience is actually to go into business for yourself. And what I think we can take away from your story is if you're the kind of person who is willing to have that kind of character and situation, yes, it will look like the ultimate or the premium for you. But if you're somebody who doesn't want that, then the ultimate or the premium might be being inside an organization, working for somebody. And it's not a case that it's the lesser option or you're a second class citizen. It's more about making that fit and that alignment for yourself. And to back to your original point about that self-knowledge, well, who are you and what's important to you? And if you are a person who, who believes, actually, I don't want that level of risk. I don't want that level of potential learning and failures, then make the choice not to go with it and be okay with it. Sure. And I feel like we've, uh, we focus a lot on the negative. <laughs> Let me just put the positive in perspective for a moment as well. I feel like one month in business now is equivalent to maybe a year working for someone else. That is the difference in terms of my own growth. I make a lot more money now working for myself than I would have ever worked probably at least in the career I was in working for other people. Um, I do have a huge amount of control over my time uh, I have a lot of uh, control, even how I work with clients. Uh, my schedule is really my schedule, uh, even when it comes to client work. You know, maybe the, occasionally there's a hard deadline, but they're pretty rare. And so, and I can work with whoever I want, right? So the, the level of freedom, the level of control over my own life, it is massive. But I think that the reason that Helen and I have focused a little bit on the downside in this conversation is because I think a lot of people get so uh, starry-eyed about that upside that they forget that, you know, it comes with a huge amount of responsibility. It comes with a huge amount of burden. It comes with a huge amount of difficult decisions that you're going to have to make on potentially a daily basis. And when I say, you know, 
if, if growth is important to you, it's massively important to me. Um, when I say I learn as much now, probably in a month as I would have in a year working for someone else. I mean, that's a big call, but keeping in mind, I was advising at the top levels of government. I was advising the heads of organizations about how to run their organizations. It's not that I was like not being exposed to like high profile, complex things. I definitely was. So to say that, that, you know, a year before is compared to a month now, that's a huge call. And I think that really there is such an exponential kind of difference and improvement in so many areas of your life but that includes the downside. <laughs> so you've got to be able to manage that psychologically and emotionally yeah. and, and not bring it out on other people in your life. Cause you've still got family, you've still got friends and whatever stresses you're going through. Well, you know, talk to someone like Helen, <laughs> use her to bounce that off. Don't do that to your family. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And that is a really nice kind of point maybe to end it on is that what decision you're making, you will have loved ones around you and make sure that they want to be part of this adventure or at least understand that adventure. Because what you don't want to do is be going off in a direction that causes them a lot of stress and heartache. It really, mm. when you are in self-employed in a business, it isn't just you who's making these decisions because as no. you and I know, the home is a base for some of our work so we bring literally bring the work into mm -hmm. the physicality of our home and our conversations definitely yeah that's been a great conversation thank you matt particularly even though i know you said we want to maybe highlight on some of the the um positive things that go on i think many conversations focus too much on the positive and don't give a reality check oh, I agree. Aspect. so i think this has been a wonderful conversation full of many reality checks and insights that people might want to consider and then i would hope that if they go into business there's an element where their eyes are open so thank you so much thank you i've enjoyed the conversation and i hope you listening at home or in the office or wherever you happen to be are as well if you enjoyed the conversation let helen know and uh, we can definitely do one of these again in the future sounds good thank you thanks helen workscapes are changing everywhere for more goodness to change your workscape visit www.beselfunlimited.com and follow us on twitter at beselfunlimited